I'm Catherine Arndt, the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. Welcome to today's episode, brought to you by the VLGA, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. A big hello to you and welcome back to VLGA Connect and our very popular local leaders series. And today we're going to get to know the Mayor of Glen Ira just a little bit better. No stranger to the program, Councillor Jim McGee. Welcome back. G'day, Chris. Thank you for having me. And uh, g'day to all everybody out there in the VLGA land. Good to, good to see you and to talk to you. And I want to find out a little bit more about what makes you tick in just a little bit of uh, a little while but i want to start I, I know you're very passionate about the the state of the sector and where we're headed we've had this conversation about uh you know not being able to afford to keep kicking the can down the road has anything changed do you think since we last spoke on that matter chris i think it has i think the can's still on the road but it's not being kicked anymore i've you know over the last six months when we first sort of talked to you Um, I've had discussions with mayors from across Victoria and also mayors from interstate up in Canberra there just last month as we went Mm. to the, you know, the local government um, meetings up there and they were really interesting. And I'm hearing from a lot of councillors, they've got the same problems I have in Glen Ira, yet they're totally, you know, they're totally different in their makeup. Rural and regional councils, you know, I take my hat off to them. I'm doing it tough here. They must be really doing it tough there and they need a lot more help, a lot more help. Uh, you mentioned being in Canberra and, and talking to others from around the sector. I guess that probably brought home that it's it's not a Victorian issue. It's a much broader issue, isn't it? Look, Chris, it is It is very much so. Um, and we all have the, the same thing. We're all passionate about looking after our communities the best as we possibly can. But the problem is that we seem to be going back to our communities often and saying, you know, these services, uh, you know, they're so costly to um, keep going. We can't just keep going back and asking for more rates when we have, you know, on the other hand, the cost shifting from state and federal governments. And to my uh, council, Chris, I've mentioned it before, it's nearly $19 million each year. Um, mm. You know, we want to provide the services, the 120 services that we provide. And I found out from all the other mayors, they want to do exactly the same thing and they're all under the same pressures. Mm. Um, and some cost shifting to some uh municipalities is much higher than Glen Ira. Uh, look, we're all doing it tough. But Chris, I think we're actually talking to the wrong people in government. I think government, there they listen to us because they understand what we're talking about. We need to tell our story to our ratepayers. The mm. ratepayers, not just to Victoria, but around Australia need to understand that when we say we need 3.5% of a you know rate increase, which is the what the cap is. Um, now that half a percent that the minister took off in Victoria, that's worth over $500,000 to me. I can do a lot in childcare repair, repairing footpaths. There's so much I could do with that. Mm. I can't just go to my community and say, I need more money because I'm not strong enough to go to the state government and say, look, you know what? That $19 million you're taking, I really need it back. Mm. And Chris, at the same time, the state government is taking $332 million every year out of my city, Glen Ira, in stamp duty and land tax. Mm. I deserve to get, they don't need to come back and take that other 19. Mm. So you say we're talking to the wrong people. What, what, what do you see happening if you get that message through to ratepayers? How might that lead to some sort of a resolution here? Oh, Chris, you, you know as well as I do that all politicians um, have their ears cleaned out three months before an election. They finally get to hear. So they need to hear the message from those that, that they represent and that 
affects them. Um, you know, we are the, the voice. We are the people on the ground. We, as we heard in Canberra, we look our ratepayers in the eye. Um, state and federal government don't do that. They're removed. We need, we hold the shovels. We hold the, the brooms. We fix the roads. You know, they don't. Mm. They help fund it, but they certainly don't do the work. And they need to understand that every cent I take in rates, you know, I shouldn't necessarily have to do that while the state government is taking money away from us and putting their costs onto us, which mm. really does affect our budgets year in, year out. Yeah. All right. We, we might come back to some local issues shortly, but I, I do enjoy on this program getting to know the person behind the role a little bit. You've been the mayor. Is this your second term as mayor, yeah. third term as mayor, and, yeah. and you've been a councillor since, what, 2015, I think, roughly? Yeah, fourth term. Yeah. Fourth term. Yeah. Um, one more year to go in this term, yes. And um, are you planning to run again? Can I get that one out of the way firstly? They'll carry me out of Glenora. Um, <laughs> I will run as long as my residents think I've got something to give, and as long as I believe I've still got some ideas and energy. Um, this job thrills me. I get up, I jump out of bed in the morning to be a councillor and the mayor is the greatest job. I could do this forever. Right. If they would give me a four-year term as mayor, I would snap it up tomorrow. I love this job and I love this city. Fantastic. Well, um, tell us a bit about why you first or how you first got into local government because I'm, I'm assuming you've had a career before becoming a councillor. Uh, Chris, I've had 46 years in the timber industry, something that um, you've been talking about lately in the hardwood yeah. timber industry. Right. Now, at the, end, at the end of this year, when I finished my mayoralty, I can't go back to work because this government has closed my industry, the timber industry. So I don't have a career to go back to because it's now oh. over. So if anyone out there is looking for a, an old timber worker, uh, I'll be available around about the end of November. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> I got into local government. It's part of a journey. I guess when I was 16, I, I, I did a, a skate-a-thon to raise money for what was then called the Spastic Society. And I was thrilled. We, we made about $600. We handed it over. And I've got this thing in my, in my belly about volunteering and doing stuff. So I've, I've been volunteering now for the best part of 50 years. Um, I've been on, on boards, uh, you know, sports clubs. Uh, and school council, I spent 14 years on, on school councils. And I had a great mentor in uh, Louise Pierce at Little Coatesville Primary School in East Bentley. And she taught me a lot about meeting procedures and how to run meetings. And, and I really got impressed. I was meeting councillors. They didn't particularly impress me. Uh, my mm. area, I didn't think was really being serviced properly. And then one day I got a, a, a letter in the mail or a brochure in the mail saying, the Glenora Council were closing my local swimming pool. Now, if anything's going to fire you up, it's your local swimming pool being closed. And, well, the Northern Memorial Action Group got started. I chaired it. And uh, eventually we went and seen, uh, and my condolences for yesterday for Simon Crean, who passed away, as you know. Simon gave us $10 million towards the Glenora Sports and Aquatic Centre. Mm. We got $4.5 million from state government. And I'm thinking, this is just so easy. Um, and I stood for an election. And yeah, here I am four terms later. Uh, just love doing what I'm doing. We're building stuff. We're building stuff in Glenora. Although we are the per per... Um, council, we're the lowest rating council. It's not something I want to hang my hat on and say, mm. how good's that? Being the lowest rating council in Melbourne is not a great thing. So it means you're struggling every year, year on year with the rate cap, mm. as opposed to other councils who some of their average rates are over $1,000 more than ours. So mm. we start on a really low base. 
and there's no way for us to climb. So we will always be under pressure that way. Mm. But uh, doing the best you can with what you've got, um, now that thrills me. Um, that, that's my challenge. And, and I'm, the, I'm the optimist, you know. I'll, I'll always come out on, on top knowing that we're going to do a good job. Might not be the best job we can possibly do, but it'll be a good job. And uh, we'll, we'll keep going forward. And I'm surrounded by a great team. And as you know, you interviewed uh, um, our CEO, Rebecca McKenzie, you know, God, how impressive is she? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jim, you, you talk about that uh, that campaign to save the swimming pool. I've talked to quite a few uh, councillors in my time that first became involved in local government or first thought about uh, perhaps being in a position to do something about issues because of something like that, whether it's a childcare centre, a swimming pool, uh, a, a, a library. Talk to us about that learning curve, though, when you you come into local government on the back of, forgive me for the expression, a single yeah. issue, and yeah. then you've got to start to get your head around everything else. Chris, I didn't know anything about council. I barely knew where the town hall was, um, but I knew where my local swimming pool was. And it's something that was dear to my wife, Claire, and my two boys. Um, and then I, you know, I started the campaign and well, others with myself, we started the campaign. And I got to learn a lot more about council. I thought councils made decisions. I then learned that councillors make the decisions. You don't have to convince a council. You have to convince the majority of councillors. Yeah. Once you've done that, that opens the, the Pandora's box. Then you, then you can target people and really plead one-on-one and, and tell your story. We were able to do that very successfully with the Glenora Sports and Aquatic Centre, now the most successful sports and aquatic centre in Victoria with over, I think it's nearly 16,000 members. And uh, mm. and to date, really almost not costing Glenora any money. It is self-sufficient mm. to the mm. point where we've just started building a second one at Carnegie. The Carnegie well, Memorial Swimming Pool mm. is underway. It's coming up out of the ground as we speak. So I think I read that your family came out here from Northern Ireland in 1970. Have you always been in the Glen Ira community from that point on? I lived in Springvale for, for many years. Um, and that's where I started all my volunteering, started the uh, the Springvale Surf Club. A bunch of kids, we all had surfboards, but no way of getting to the beach. <laughs> so yeah. we started a club and we pestered people with cars to take us to the beach. I moved from Springvale. I haven't gone very far. I've gone from Springvale to Caulfield. Caulfield Louise Bentley, and uh, and I've been in my current house 36 years, and uh, no intentions of uh, moving out anytime soon. But yeah, we immigrated in 1970, and Chris, I remember very clearly uh, standing in my classmates in Belfast saying we were immigrating to Austria, where they had kangaroos and koalas, <laughs> and my teachers my teachers sort of sorted me out and said, "No, Jim, you're going to Australia." <laughs> <laughs> I bet you learned that lesson very uh, very quickly. I did. I, I certainly did. And uh, and less the minute we set foot in Australia, I've never looked back. How how old were you then, Jim? If you don't mind my asking. Uh, look, I was eleven years old. Right. Yeah. I was eleven years old, and you know I got here. This is the land of sunshine and sport. I I think I played sport every day of my life up until my local cricket club, Washington Park, one day decided that uh, they put me in the canteen as opposed to putting me in the seventh side. I don't <laughs> hold any grudges, mind you. And then I realised my Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure about At that? the right old age of 55, um, <laughs> finally I was in the canteen. I thought, okay, well, now I'm a lawn bowler. I love lawn bowls. And uh, look, this year, hopefully, after my mayoralty, I'll be able to uh, concentrate on a pennant season. 
Uh, I, I'm just thinking for an 11 year old, a, a, a change like that, and probably expecting to see kangaroos hopping down the the the, the main street, etc. That must have been huge for you at that age. Yeah. Chris, it was. And mentioning kangaroos uh, in Belfast in the late 60s, there was a show called Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. And I remember, and I, I tell the story at citizenship ceremonies, I really thought I was going to come and live in the bush and have yeah. a kangaroo as a pet. Yeah. And when I got here, a cosmopolitan city, and uh, we actually arrived in Perth uh, first off, and I'm, we were always coming to Melbourne because my father was one of the original people who built Waverley, the footy ground. Mm. And I remember my mother saying one day when we were in Perth, we should take a drive over to Melbourne after lunch and have a look. Little did we know, because we come from Ireland, where you can go from one end to the other in an afternoon. Yes. Little did she know, it was a three-day train trip. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, look, it was a... A hell of an experience, but wow. Uh, been back to Ireland many times, but no, nah, this is home. Excellent. Oh, well, it's it's really nice to get a bit of that flavour for what's uh, formed your, I guess, uh, public persona that we now see as the mayor of, of Glen Ira. Let's talk a bit about some current issues, if, if we might. Lots of talk about how councils have had to adapt the way they conduct their, their meetings and still be transparent. Have you had to deal with issues of that nature at Glen Ira? Chris, not, I would, I've seen much worse uh, out there. No, we've had the, you know, the, um, the protests come to Glen Ira, but they've always been reasonably um, respectful, um, never gotten out of control. I've never felt unsafe. I've never felt like I needed to close the meeting. Um, they, people have a right at the beginning of our meetings, the public participation to ask questions. And I've answered all those questions honestly as I possibly could. The, you know, the G5 uh, issues that come along the towers and the, and the transmissions. And we make it very clear that these are federal government um, decisions, not council decisions. Even under the planning scheme, we have no control over what pole those uh, the towers, you know, get put on. Um, and they've always been quite respectful. They keep asking the same question. They keep getting the same answers. But look, we, as you know, Glen Ira is the home to the biggest Jewish community in Australia. Mm. And you know, we are affected by some of the far right movements, but touch wood, they haven't come to my council yet. And if they did, they would be shown the door very, very quickly. Mm. Um, yeah. So no touch wood, uh, we've seen other councils have issues, but uh, at the moment we haven't. Um, but we have got uh, policies and procedures in place and strategies to deal with that if it does happen. So uh, as we said, you're in your third term as mayor. Um, I know every mayor, particularly first time, uh, has a bit of a, a plan, a checklist of things they'd like to achieve. Do you look at your mayoral contribution on that three-term basis or do you approach each term as a, as a discrete um, uh, plan for achievement? Chris, each term, I believe I've gotten better. Um, I don't, you know, my first term on council was, sorry, my first term as mayor on council, I was still running a business and working full time. I would never do that again. It was just too complicated. Mm. Luckily enough, the last two years, um, I haven't been working. Um, and I've just concentrated totally on being the, being the mayor. And being the mayor, is, uh, it is a challenge because you really are the face of the council. You're thrown into the spotlight to make speeches. I'm not a really great speech maker. And I've got officers here who write me the most glorious, beautiful speeches, but I've never read one. <laughs> and I, I do feel I do feel the need to apologise often because I'm not the sort of person that can stand up and with the head down and read something. For me, it's eye to eye, it's face to face, and uh, uh, I, I think I'm getting better at it. Um, I'm more certainly more comfortable in it, uh, but 
Yeah, look, I wanted to start this conversation this year about the financial sustainability because it's taken, this is my 15th year coming to the end of 15 years on council. Mm. Um, and there's, there's some issues that I, I see that are reoccurring year after year after year. And we keep talking to government about the issues, but nothing really changes. And then that's why I think we're talking to the wrong people. We should be talking to the people who are responsible for putting government in and saying, well, you know, my life is being affected by the decisions you're making, but I'm blaming my council and I'm not wanting to pass the buck. If we do something wrong, tell us and we'll, I'll cop it sweet and fix it. But there's a lot of things we can't do because we're not allowed to do. And we look look at the, plannings, the planning issues. You know, people say, I totally oppose inappropriate development. You say, well, so do I, but what is inappropriate? Oh, a four-storey building. Well, no, it's not. It's in an activity centre next to a railway station. It's absolutely appropriate. It's just you don't like it. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of issues like that. And then there's uh, the cost of planning. I think the cost of planning on my cities is, is in the millions. We are not allowed. The government sets the fees that we can charge to produce a planning permit. And, you know, often, often it costs us more to produce that, uh, that planning permit than it actually does to uh, you know we get for it and if it goes to vcat and as you well know chris if it goes to vcat we do all the work and it's just more, a lot more expense yeah. so and i think you know these are stories that our residents really need to hear but you know there's the other side of it you don't want to be seen to be the whinger we're just no. whinging and blaming and we've got some great politicians and melissa horn i've got a lot of respect for i think she's a fair income chick she's really good um but you know she's a politician and she's got to play for her team and i'm playing for my team you're on this year's uh, mayoral advisory panel, aren't you? How, yes. how valuable a uh, mechanism is that, do you think, for getting these messages through? Uh, Chris, I'd rather answer that question after two more meetings. Uh, the first meeting we had was an introduction meeting where we all got to know each other. The second meeting was uh, about councillor conduct. Um, I thought it was going to be a lot more about the minister saying, right, councillor, mayors, what are the problems? Let's fix them. Uh, that hasn't happened so far. It's been... Yeah. Here's an issue. Let's talk about it. I did ask uh, the minister at the last meeting that we devote some time to financial sustainability, and I've asked for the treasurer to attend that meeting so we can really drill home the issues. Um, I don't think the treasurer will, will. I think he's already too busy. Um, but you know, we've made it very clear, and so is the other mayors, that financial sustainability is something that's really important. I don't want to sit there for another two meetings with the minister answering questions about the environment or or councillor conduct. I want the minister to sit there and say, okay, what are the problems? Because there are genuine problems, Chris, and that need addressing. Mm. And mm. I don't see them being addressed um, appropriately. And mm. uh, my term, this term as mayor, I, I hope you know that we can say that we've stopped kicking the can down the road and we've actually started doing something about it. And we can only do that if people will actually listen. I believe mm. Melissa Horn will listen, but uh, you know, time will tell what actions. Uh, Jim, clearly your, your colleagues have had uh, faith in your leadership style to put you into the mayoralty on three occasions now. Tell us about your philosophy and approach to leading a team of councillors in that position as you know, the first among equals. Sure. Chris, for me, and it's the hardest thing for me, I have to learn to listen more and talk less. And I'm, I'm a good talker, but I, I think a, a good mayor has to listen to the end of the story before they comment. And I'm getting better at that. I would often jump in and say, well, hang on, stop. That's not right. And then you find out later in the story, it actually it, it was right. Hmm. So for me, 
I lead from the front. If anyone takes on one of my counsellors, I'm standing right in front of them. They come through me first. So I'm very much the, you know, I want to be the, the protector and the father figure. Um, and I'll take on the media. I'll take on anyone if they, you know, want to have, a, as they say, a crack at one of my counsellors. I've got a really great bunch of counsellors and they're really dedicated and they're doing a really great job. We don't always agree, but I'll tell you what, we're, we're, we're doing some really great work. My leadership is about um, empowering other counsellors. You know, I don't go to any event without inviting another counsellor to come along. You know, mm. I'm not there to get the photo or cut the ribbon. In fact, I, I in my two terms, or three terms as a, the mayor, I've rarely cut a ribbon. I've always handed the scissors over to someone else. Mm. Someone who's more appropriately, you know, who's done the work, who's been the face, who's like uh, Councillor Essakoff, you know, 20 years in local government, five times the mayor. You know, we should be naming a park after Margaret. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> She's done a wonderful job. And we've had some great councillors over the years. Now, my I see my role as empowering my councillors. And, of course, I'm very protective of officers. Mm. Officers, they are the experts. And I, I'm a great believer in taking advice in my business. I employ engineers and I always listen to them. They knew much more about things than I did. I paid them well. But I took their advice and I do that yeah. in council. I'm a big believer on taking officers' advice and questioning it and challenging it. But if, and if they come up with the, um, you know, inappropriate, and I think, yeah, that's fair enough. Mm. And I must say, I am the councillor who comes into a council meeting thinking, I'm going to vote this way. And I hear the argument, I go, well, no, I've got to vote. <laughs> well, that's bringing, bringing an open mind to the question, no, which, is, which is part of the responsibility, isn't it? You, you've mentioned... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've mentioned how fortunate you feel to have a CEO of the caliber that you have, uh, Rebecca McKenzie. Tell me about um, how you, um, I guess, first approached that task that I think a lot of first-time mayors don't realise that they've got to manage that employment relationship with the CEO on behalf of the council as well. Was that something you'd had sort of corporate experience doing with senior executives? Oh, look, yeah, look, it has been. Um, I've been on many boards. Um, I've been on many sporting association tribunals. So I was, I've dealt with conflict all my life. And I've been in the timber industry dealing with the, the green lobby, um, telling me my industry was unsustainable when it mm. is the most sustainable timber industry in the world. And what's happening at the moment is just shameful. But we'll, we'll leave that for another time. Yeah. But uh, I've, no, I, I really um, respect Rebecca's, um, she's very forthright. She gives you frank and fearless advice and you never leave the room wondering what she's thinking. She's very clear on her role and she's very clear on what my role is. Yeah. Um, and I really respect that. And we've had, you know, we've had discussions where we haven't agreed. Like I said, when she first came in, she did something I hate. She started changing things. And I'm not, you know, I, I struggle for change. But everything she's changed has actually worked out really, really well. And I bounce a lot of things off her and I say, look, I'm going to say this to the media. Is that, you know, will this affect counsel? And she'll say, well, only if it's not true. Mm. Yeah, that throws mm. it right back at me and says, well, it's your responsibility, mate. <laughs> yes. That's, that's pretty, good advice. Get, pretty, a, pretty good advice. Uh, Jim, uh, I, I get the feeling we could talk all day, but I do want to ask you perhaps one last question. You did mention that your industry, and I, and I sense you probably want to say a lot more about this, but perhaps it's not the time. Your industry is uh, is being wound up. Uh, when you finish your mayoral term, you don't have a job to go back to. Qu quite seriously, what do you think you will do uh, post being the mayor? 
As being the mayor, I'll go back and, and I'll still work 40 hours a week being a counsellor. Mm. Um, to me, counsellor has always been a full-time job. As a counsellor, I've always worked. And, and that was one of the early things I learned when I came into council, just how many hours you put in. Now, surely I could turn up just on a Tuesday night and do my basic role and disappear, but that's not me. Um, I'm boots and all. I'll go back to doing the 30, 40 hours a week as a counsellor for, for my ward. And we, I've now learned that my ward's changing. Of, we're now a nine, we'll be a nine council award as we are now, but with nine wards. Nine single-member wards. Mm. Nine single-member wards. Mm. And I've looked at the three options, and they, they look pretty good. But what will I do after? I, Chris, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I, I may retire. Um, I may consult into the, the timber industry. There's still a lot of timber coming over from Tasmania. We are destroying Tasmania by bringing mm. the timber over. And there was articles in the paper yesterday about that. But we're also bringing a lot of timber down from New South Wales, from the places like Bambala. Like I say, I've been um, building sawmills and upgrading sawmills for the best part of 40 years. My Victorian timber engineering was my, my business. Mm. And I put machinery into most sawmills in Victoria. And you know what, Chris, 1939, Black Saturday, Black Friday, sorry, the, the big bushfires that wiped out most of the, the eucalyptus regnants or the mountain ash, that was all replanted by timber workers. Six mm. million hectares replanted by timber workers for the next generation, the generation after that. Now we have a government telling us we can't touch it. There's actually more timber in Victoria today than there was in 1939 by right. half a million uh, square square um, meters, uh, kilometers. Sorry, mm. it's a, uh, a very sustainable industry. I can see we've touched on another uh, very passionate issue for you yeah. there, Jim. Um, I just want to wish you the best for whatever does come next as you uh, head towards the end of this mayoral term. I suspect it won't be your last at least councillor role and uh, long may that continue. Thank you, uh, Jim. Great to talk to you. You do call a spade a spade and we know where we stand with you as uh, you do with your Thank CEO. So uh, appreciate you. that and, uh, and uh, appreciate your time on the program. Sure, yeah. I've been speaking with uh, Councillor Jim McGee, the Mayor of Glen Ira Council, for today's edition of Local Leaders from VLGA Connect. Thank you for watching and listening. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube or on your podcast player for future episodes coming soon. Until then, bye for now.